1: Uh, Dean Lonnegan <laughs> of uh, DNL Promotions and one of our great boxing promoters that uh, joins me in the new year. Happy New Year, Dino.
0: Hey, Stephen. It's been a long time no here, and good to hear you back on the airways, brother. I heard you on uh, the ASB Classic the other day on Sky. Yeah, oh, no,
1: my God. What He's do you Back mean? from the dead? Oh, mate, I haven't disappeared off the map yet at all. Come on, I was just commenting. You'd think I'd fallen off the pl- far side of the earth, mate. Come on, settle oh, down.
0: Just remember this, Steve McGuire. At one stage, you are like God. You are omnipresent. You were everywhere. <laughs>
1: Yes, that's all right, my child. Just sit on the left-hand side. Hey, uh, another uh, another year tall, another busy year coming up, mate, uh, for DNL promotions. Uh, I was a little surprised, and you can explain this one to Lani Daniels uh, uh, having to give up her IBF uh, heavyweight belt with uh, that ridiculous rule that you can't simultaneously hold it belts.
0: Uh, look, we knew before the fight she had a stronger over that was going to be the case, and so we had to have a choice. So we have no dramas with it. And then, um, you know, just afterwards, we made a choice. Lani's actually nat- naturally more a super middleweight than she is anything else. Yeah. So uh, at light heavyweight, she's still got plenty of ability to continue on at that weight. And then when the big fights potentially come up, we can drop down to a weight class, you know, where there's a big name fighter. And go in that mandatory position, which is what we're looking at doing at some stage, not not just distant the future.
1: So, what's that? What's the field like for her to have a crack out? I mean, is it strong at the division that you're now looking at?
0: Sorry, mate, you, I you just cut out for a bit. I, don't, I looked at my phone. I thought, what's
1: going on? Oh, sorry, sorry, well, ha- hang, D- Dino. How strong is her division that you're looking at now for this year?
0: Uh, look at light heavyweight. Anyway, there's quite a few. There's a number of uh, people that we're looking at. We've had a lot of interest in Lani to go overseas. Uh, there's a big fight not happening in Adelaide, and I'm, I'm talking to the promoters over there. They thought the Lani Daniels versus uh, Desley Robinson fight was absolutely sensational, and they're looking at rain that again in Adelaide. So we'll wait and see what happens there. And, of course, uh, back here in New Zealand, you've got Rosanna Cox, who uh, has come into England. Uh, she's a Kiwi. And, mate, she's very, very keen to fight Lani at some stage as well. And, and obviously, Lani's keen to do two things. One, the division that she's in, number one and then two, try and pick up some of those bigger fights at at the lighter weights, where she could definitely lose weight and get down to those weights quite easily.
1: What are the paydays like for female boxers?
0: Look, at the moment in New Zealand, it's a developing sport, you know, and this is the first time we've had uh, women head cards, Hmm. number one, and number two head pay-per-view cards, and as always, um, paydays are based on revenue, and that's still building at the moment. So, yeah. you know, that's got to be taken into account. But overseas, there are some big name fighters getting big money. You know, Katie Price uh, fights at Croke Park, I believe, in April later on this year. Mate, that'll be twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 people going through the gates. Wow. When those sort of numbers are going through the gates, that's when you start getting a big payday. And I tell you what, there's a massive, there's a great, there's been a great debate about whether you should have pay parity for women. Ronda Rousey came out and says, look, all athletes, woman, male or female, should get paid based on revenue uh, and, not, and not on you know, paid parity. And I couldn't agree more. If you generate more money, yeah. You should be paid more. Yeah. If you're a female, regardless of what, whether you're female or male, the more money you generate, the more money you earn.
1: Funny how common sense comes to play. Mia Motu is a great backstory. We don't need to go over it, but she is an incredible fighter. What is next? And Do we talk change in weight divisions or what?
0: No, Mia's going to stay at that weight division where she's at, and we're number one. She's the number one mandatory for a woman... Uh, she's the IBO champion, and she's a manager in the IBF for a woman called Adeline Scottney. So that mandatory will come up around June or July. But the thing is, Adeline Scottney is very, very keen to unify the division. And uh, unification, when it, uh, Trump, from a fighting point of view, unification fights Trump mandatories. So, mate, for the time being, we're just going to keep fighting Mia in this country. We're going to keep making her more and more famous, and she can get him to sell her story out there as well, which she does so very, very well. And uh, I would have thought mid-year to like, closer to the end of the year is when, uh, is when we start getting those big opportunities overseas. She's a remarkable woman, a remarkable fighter, and I've uh, really enjoyed our time um, you know, promoting her. Me and my business partner sort of really enjoyed working with me in particular as we do with all of our fighters. And, uh, and it's been a revelation, this woman hitting the cards. You know, we're the, I think we're one of the first people to do it in a major way in New Zealand. And uh, it's been bloody mate, really enjoyable, to yeah, be And right. really Part to be part of the, good to be part
1: of the revolution, Steve. Well, but, well, if you think about it, you were part of the revolution when the Fight for Life came around. That was a huge revolution, and uh, it certainly brought the attention of a mental health and a lot of things to people's minds. So it's, it's nothing new to you, so you can be a little, a little bit humble on that one. Uh, two fighters that we have to talk about, I'm and I love these two guys. Uh, one's crazy, but also an incredible fighter, and the one I think is a, a, a rock star in the making. Andre Mikhailovich, IBF middleweight, where are we at with that? I thought he was supposed to have uh, had a crack at the uh, mandatory uh, belt. Where is it at?
0: That's a really good question. This has been, uh, the last six months has been an incredibly frustrating time for both Andre and ourselves at DNL events. And the reason has been simple is that we were, Andre's been mandated to fight uh, for the IBF eliminator. Now, what that means is he's one of the top two ranked fighters in the middleweight division. So about probably four or five months ago, the IBF mandated that Andre should fight a guy called Dennis Radovan. Yeah. We set to negotiating that date. We got a date negotiated. It was all agreed to, and it was going to be December 12 last year. Now, unfortunately, about a month before the fight, Radovan got injured. So the IBF, in its wisdom, then turned around and said, right, Radovan's injured. You've now got to fight the next highest qualified guy. It was a guy called Elijah Garcia so elijah is with pbc uh, um, premier boxing champion because is one of the big players in america and they've just lost their tv contract with showtime and picked, they're trying to get a deal done with amazon i think it's already done so i've been negotiating with them for a fight with andre and elijah and we were probably going to go to the us to have that fight unfortunately two or three days ago i hear from pbc that elijah garcia is injured and he can't now make the fight date. So we informed the IBF. The IBF has now turned around and says, well, you've now got to fight the next highest guy, which happens to be Dennis Radovan. So I'm now negotiating (laughs) with uh, Wasserman and Dennis Radovan to set a date for Andre to finally uh, get his shot uh, at the world title. Now, so if we win this fight against Radovan, assuming he doesn't get injured, but if Andre wins this fight against Radovan, he goes to the number one mandatory spot in the IBF which means he'll be, uh, when the time is right, he's in line to fight a guy called Janabek, who I can't pronounce his second name, but no. he is an absolute world-class fighter. He's very, very good. They're, gonna, they're looking at, um, yeah, they're, yeah, Janabek is very big, so we'll wait and see what happens. We've oh. just got to get this bloody Radovan fight out of the way first.
1: How confident you are that he can beat Radovan?
0: Oh, very, very. Andre is an extremely talented young man. He hits hard, he's getting better and better. Unfortunately, with the time he fights, it would have been about 11 months out of the ring, which is a real shame, but um, it's just one of those things that if you want to go be in the mandatory position, you have to do that fight that gets you to the number one position, and it's just taking time through bloody injury to get there. I'm extremely confident that he can win the next fight, and I'm very, very confident that he will go extremely well against Yenabek when that fight finally comes around.
1: So you wouldn't try and give him a sort of a, a little warm-up fight prior to that or is that just tempting fate?
0: The when it comes to the eliminator fight, you can't take a warm-up. You have to do that or you're deemed to be unavailable and they uh-huh. will find somebody else. Having said that, we would normally not fight um, you'd normally not fight a guy again because the risk is you could get beaten. You're, all you've worked towards would, would, would fall away. But I think the risk is greater that we don't fight Andre, and my gut feel is we should, if he can win that eliminate spot, which I think he will, and become the mandatory fighter, I think the right thing to do would be continue to fight him and just get him ready for the big fight.
1: Man, sitting at 20, you know, what's his patience like?
0: Uh, like all fighters, Andre likes to fight and they get frustrated when two things aren't happening. They get frustrated when they're not fighting and they get frustrated when they're not paid. All <laughs> fighters get paid when they fight. And, and mate, it's, just like, it's like all of us. We all want
1: to get paid. Yeah, sounds like you, frustrated when you don't get paid.
0: <laughs> well, it's like everyone, mate. So, but particularly in all my time doing boxing promotions, the one thing all fighters want to do is fight, especially when they're young on the rise, which is what he is. So, mate, we have to we have to get this fight done and we have to get him rolling.
1: Yeah, I am genuinely excited about 18 and 0 Jerome Pamplin in the light heavyweight division. I think we are I think we you are building him beautifully because there is so much in that kid to love just watching him fight. He looks like a born natural.
0: Yeah, it's, for many many years Isaac Peach's has, has said that Jerome might be the most talented one to come out of the stable. And I think we start to see that. And I think in Andre and Jerome in particular, you've got two world champion women already who are both extremely tough and good at what they do. And those two guys, I think we've got maybe two of the best prospects since the, the likes of David Tour and, um, and Joseph Parker. You know, so uh, Jerome is something exceptional. Lately, he's been, we've specifically selected what we think are very durable fighters. You know, we had Mosley Awatunga, then we had this guy, Louvavo, who was 7-0. and And then we had Porky um, Medina. All of those guys were secured for the durability or the fact that they're real up-and-comers and never been stopped. And, mate, all of a sudden, we got Jerome knocking these guys at the first round. And that is neither Isaac nor myself thought that would happen. And we've got a tiger by the tail of Jerome where he just gets better and better the more. He fights.
1: How far does he go? Does, does he become a world champion in his weight division over time?
0: I think so. Just like I think Andre Mikadovich is capable of it, I just think Jerome is capable of it as well. And I've got to be honest, right now, this is just my gut feel, if we could get a fight with Bivol or Beterbeef between them, those two are the current world champions, they're both of uh, Russian extraction, one's Ukrainian, I think one's Russian, I think we'd beat them both. And I, I, I think Jerome could become one of the all-time greats. You know, so. It's just a case of getting them fights on a regular basis and, um, and getting his name out there and building them and building them. It's just everything's slowly coming on. And, you know, with, with Jerome, I think there's massive opportunity. There's huge opportunity with, with Andre, the Russian, uh, Mikhailovich. And, mate, it's just been a frustrating time for him, unfortunately.
1: So we've talked about the four big ones in the stable, all right? Uh, who, who have you got, Jerome, that's next? Who's the next Excite Machine, women and men?
0: Probably the next cab off the rank in New Zealand is a young fella called Zane Adams. Okay, yeah. He's only about 51, 52 kilos. But Zane, he's had five pro fights, five or six pro fights. And, mate, he is exceptional. He's been in with guys who have fought for world titles already, got set on his ass in a fight. He gets up and he knocks people out. He's had some issues with his hand. But Zane is a really interesting character. He's uh, South African by birth. He's sort of his mum and dad are a Christian and Muslim, which makes him a sort of a, a quite a really interesting mix from a, uh, a religious point of view. Balanced, and, um, balanced, exactly, mate. And this is the sort of thing that perhaps we, he can solve the, the problems one day in the Middle East. Who knows? But he's a very intelligent young man, and he can really fight. He's got dreadlocks that uh, you know that go to, right down to the right down his back. He's an interesting character, and he can fight. So he's probably next cab off the rank. And then Isaac Peach has probably got at least another two, maybe three guys about to come through. And, mate, I've seen them fight. There's one of them called Keanu, and I can't remember his second name, but he is an excitement machine at the round middleweight, and there's a couple more. So what we're seeing out in West Auckland in the Peach boxing gym is an absolutely, absolute factory of talent. And uh, Isaac and his wife, Alina, just worked their ass off. To provide opportunities for people and mate they run about three or four businesses all concurrently, how they do it I don't know, they've also got a very very big and boisterous family I think they've got four kids out there and mate they, uh, they're they all fully engaged in boxing and um, they go through a lot of pain and pressure to deliver the pleasure at the end but uh, what's happening out in West Auckland with a Peach boxing gym is nothing short of remarkable
1: I'll tell you what if Isaac or Alina say eat your vegetables you're going to eat your vegetables at that table aren't you
0: Oh, don't worry about Isaac. The tough one of that family is Alina. <laughs> you, do not, you do not want to get
1: told off by Alina. We talk a lot about women's sport, and, and we've seen you've got two very talented women boxers in your stable. Is it hard to find opponents for them locally? And, and because of the great stories both of them have told, are you seeing any sort of upswing, from, even from Isaac's perspective, in, in young women wanting to come into a gym and, and, and start boxing?
0: Look, I can't talk from uh, an upswing point of view in the gyms. What I do know is this, is when we were promoting Joseph Parker many years ago, there was a huge upswing uh, that coincided with his rise of people going into gyms and taking up boxing. So I can only assume with the increased media that we're starting to see around Lani and Mia and Andre and Jerome, and obviously Joe Parker's doing great things again, mate, I think you're going to start to see massive upswings into all sorts of... um, you know, uh, com boxing gyms and combat gyms. Look at what's going on in MMA with uh, the boys at City Kickboxing. It's quite incredible. I know their classes here are absolutely shoulder to shoulder and full. And I'm starting to think that, you know, you're going to start to see that upswing in boxing gyms all around the country. And whether people go to boxing gyms just to train, which I know you did for a long time, Steve, still do. I think boxing boxing is a great way to get your confidence up. You know, even if you never fight in the ring. It's a great way to get fit, strong, and healthy, and it gives you an enormous amount of confidence because, mate, it's just one of those things you walk around with knowing that you can look after yourself if you have to, if people want to push you around. Of course, it took you three times oh, in the settle ring. settle down. I'll take my help here to, to get the win. So <laughs> No, it was a draw, sorry. It
1: should have been a win. Didn't take the 10-8 count in like, the second round. Like, I like knocked him down. You like a
0: little? You're the little trainer. Could you know, just keep going, just keep feeding that fire.
1: You know what? You know the scary thing. Even at 58, I'd like to go again, but I know I can't. <laughs> I know you would. I know you I'd, would. I'd, I'd, I'd train my. I'd train the house down for that one. Hey, what do you think of this whole Engano uh, versus Joshua? Do you what? What view do you take on this?
0: Mate, I think it's great for boxing, and the reason I say that is that what's going on in Saudi at the moment is just remarkable. They're putting on massive fights. On a regular basis, they've got a major fight, and they're trying to unify the heavyweight title between Ursek and Fury in, in February, and then in March, they're putting on Ngannou versus Joshua. And look, Ngannou went very, very well against Tyson Fury, and it's the absolute perfect fight for Anthony Joshua to, to lay his claims to fight Tyson Fury. If he can knock Ngannou out, well, good luck to him. And I, I understand that Ngannou might be in for a $20 million payday and Joshua 40 mil, so why the hell wouldn't he do it?
1: She, it's obscene, it's obscene money, though, isn't it? Well, is it? You know, they can afford it. The boxers like to
0: get it. Good luck to them. <laughs> it's fair to say uh, everybody's, everybody's aspiring to get up there. Look at Joe Parker. Just took probably his second biggest payday uh, up in Saudi. Got paid, you know, uh, reportedly $5 million US. And Good luck to him. Deserves every single cent. Did incredibly well against um, Deontay Wilder. It wouldn't surprise me if Joe is to command 10 million US plus in his next fight, and so richly deserves it.
1: Do you, do you th- how far do you think he goes now? Because he looks like he's coming into, uh, he, he, take this the way, any way you want it, he looks like he's maturing as a heavyweight.
0: Well, he did the right thing last year, where he took he had four fights last year, and activity makes you better. And with Joseph, a lot of those fights, he would have fought for bugger all money. You know, but he did the right thing, got himself fit, strong and healthy. A big opportunity came up in Saudi with Wilder. What I can say is this. At the moment there's a bit of backwards and forwards in bantery between him and a guy called Philip Herkovik. Now Philip Herkovic is the number one mandatory contender in the IBF. Herkev, for Herkovic to fight Joe Parker in Saudi in February or March is the stupidest fight he could take in his life. The best fight that Joseph Parker could take simply so, because that's a fight that Joseph wins. And, maybe he will become, the number, if he was to do that, more than likely the mandatory contender for the IBF, especially with uh, Joshua fighting in Ghana. So, you know, I think uh, I'll be very, very surprised if that fight happens. But if they put enough money down for and more importantly, Hercumet's promoters, more than likely it, it could happen. The Saudis will just pay what they have to pay. And I really hope Joe gets that fight, because if he does, he wins it, and he's just going to be right in line for uh, for the winner of, of Tyson Fury versus Erceg, which presents problems because him and Tyson Fury are best of yeah. mates, and I think Tyson said he'd never want to fight Joe. No. So, uh, but mate, at the end of the day, Joe's making retirement money right now, and mate, he's going to finish when he finishes this game. He's going to have plenty of money in the bank to look after his wonderful family, and if he chooses not to work again, he won't, is my guess, or he's going to have plenty to, uh, to to do whatever he wants to do going forward.
1: Mate, outside of boxing, what else have DNL events got on, or is it just boxing for you right now?
0: At the moment, it's just boxing, but you know, we're starting to look to spread our wings in the next one to two years. We've got heaps of other opportunities in the market, but right now, you know, coming back from Australia, Steve, like we did, we come back to a New Zealand boxing market that was virtually non existent because Joe had been fighting overseas a hell of a lot, and there wasn't much activity. The New Zealand media had fallen away. And uh, it was only with the acquisition, like Liam, my son, pushed hard to make sure we signed up Miyamoto and then signing up Lani Daniels. And then, um, you know, it's only it's only been, we've had three fights back here, I think. And it's just taken a long time to get things going again. it's been, it's, I've got to be honest, revenue-wise, it's been very, very difficult. But I think we're now starting to get on the upswing with Joseph doing what he's doing. Um, with our guys on the rise, I think there's a lot more genuine interest from the New Zealand media, and I think as a result, you know, and, uh, as a result, you're going to start to see more and more boxing on the airwaves, and you're going to see more Kiwis doing well in the sport.
1: Nice. Well, you're the right man to do it, and I expect to call when there's another show, by the way. Just throw that out there publicly now so you can't call back on it. Hey, it's all, it's always fun talking to you, mate. Uh, Happy New Year. Pass uh, my good wishes on to uh, Liam, and we shall talk soon, my friend.
0: I look forward to it. It's nice to hear you back on the airway, Stevie. You know, I hope someone grabs you long term <laughs> and uh, and gives you the job you so rightly deserve because you're good at what you do. Yes, and, uh, uh, <laughs> it'll be good to see you back in the, back in the headlines like you were. Oh, nowadays.
1: okay. Steve, so,
0: everywhere. so, so the Steve, the the show.
1: To to, to to use your words, from the omnipresent one, you can go now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. C- See you CMA
1: Dean Lonigan from DL Events looking after Mia Motulani Daniels, uh, uh, Andrei Mikhailovich, and of course the Panther Jerome <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>